welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 20th of May 2018, entitled Noah's Ark and the Flood. Here's the Ark Man, Brother Rod Walsh. The Gospel is the good news, amen? Now before I start off, I just want to mention our freebies. Anybody here like freebies? That's good. Well, I've got a lot of freebies. I've got some postcards on Noah's Ark. Make sure you grab some of those. I've got some leaflets. Uh, grab them, read them, and then pass them on. Now, another one of our freebies is our website. Anybody familiar with the website? Well, folks, there's something like 10,000 articles on the website. Now, any question that you've got on creation or evolution, you're going to get a pretty good answer on the website. Amen? Well, another one of our freebies are info bites. Now, by the way, these are only sent out when there's something of particular interest. You see, there's always controversy happening. Is that true? With creation evolution. Who would like to know if there's something really interesting that's happening? Well, all you need to do, folks, is just fill in your email details on one of these clipboards and you can have this for free. Now, Nancy's going to pass these around, but while that's happening, uh, maybe some of you want to know, why would I build a model of Noah's Ark? Well, folks, I've built nine of them so far. But, you know, as a child, I was a prolific model builder, but only between the age of seven and ten. Now, in those days, you know, there were no kits like today. Mum would buy me the raw material, and I designed heaps of aeroplanes and boats. But after the age of ten, I never built another model. Till April 1997. Now, I happened to be in bed with a crook back. Anybody here ever had a bad back? Mine was pretty bad, as it turned out. I was in bed for four days, and on the first day, I'm wondering what I'm going to do. Well, I love to read the Bible. So I started reading the Bible from the very beginning in Genesis. Folks, when I got to the account of Noah, God illuminated the whole thing. He said, Rod, build a model of Noah's Ark. I thought my back was gone, now my head's gone. But I knew it was God, folks. You know, the next day, I'd already scaled it down. I've sketched it out. I'm ready to go. Then all of a sudden, on the second day, I felt God say, turn the radio on. Well, turn the radio on. And you know, for the next 20 minutes, they're talking about Noah's Ark. Well, guess what? They were mocking it, laughing. Oh, who believed in Noah's Ark in this scientific age? God said, see what I mean? Build a model. He says, when you finish the model, people will come to you and ask questions. You'll just answer their questions. Well, folks, not this model, but the first model what I build. Folks, is what you can do if you don't watch TV for seven months. Three hours a day, 200 days, 600 hours, went into building that model. Well, the model was finished and then nothing happened for a few weeks. And then it was January 1998, two days before a huge waterfront boating event in Geelong where we live. Thousands come to this boating event from all over Australia. Well, two days before, God spoke to me and said, you've got to submit your model. Well, I tell you what, you don't turn up with two days' notice. You have to book months in advance. You've got to pay them a lot of money. Well, I found out who the organiser was. I got on the phone. I said, look, I've got a model of the oldest boat on record. Would you be interested? Folks, they gave me the best spot. Do you know, for the next three days, Nancy and I never sat down. We had half a dozen, 15, 20 people firing questions at us for three days. From there, we got invited to churches and schools. In fact, before we come on board with Creation Ministries, you know, in the first seven years of our ministry, we went to 600 venues around Australia. I never organised one. God opened every door. So if you've got a problem with my talk this morning, don't forget it wasn't my idea, but I want you to be a good Berean. Anybody heard of the Bereans? Yeah. I don't mind if you check me out. In fact, I'd like you to do that. 
and uh, because we should always check things out, shouldn't we, to make sure that, <clears throat> that what, it, what we're hearing is the truth from the word of God. Amen? Well, we need to get Nancy back now. Are you coming back, dear? But before I start the talk, folks, I just would like to say this. The Noah's Ark and the Genesis flood is absolutely essential foundational teaching. Folks, if you want to know biblical truth, if you want evidence for a young earth, and also if you want to know the true history of our world, even for the truth of geology and biology, folks, keep this in mind as you listen to the evidence this morning for a worldwide flood. Okay, let's have a look at this little storybook. Who's ever seen one of those? Well, what does everybody say? How would all the animals fit on Noah's Ark? Folks, a sad thing is this. When you grow up with that sort of thinking in your head, look what happens. He's a newspaper man. He's telling four million people in Melbourne that's what Noah's Ark looked like. Of course, that's just a fraction of the size of a real Noah's Ark, isn't it? And I tell you what, it certainly doesn't show the skill and the craftsmanship of ancient people. But today we're going to show you what it really looked like, how big it was, and lots of interesting things as well. Folks, most people don't realise this. But Noah's Ark and the Genesis Flood is one of the three major events that ever happened in the whole world. Well, number one was creation. Is that true? You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Number two was the worldwide flood of Noah. And number three was the coming of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Folks, here we see the great love of God when our Creator actually became our Saviour. See, in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, By him, that's Jesus Christ, all things were made, and without him, not one thing was made, folks. You see, turning water into wine wasn't the first miracle of Jesus, was it? The first miracle of Jesus Christ was a creation of the whole universe. Now, very sadly, all these three major events have been maligned by unbelievers, not only outside the church, sometimes from within it even happens. In fact, the apostle Peter, he writes prophetically in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And he tells us, folks, that in the days we're living in, even right now, many people will be willingly ignorant. They'll purposely ignore two things. One, God is creator. Folks, how many people today think everything just evolved by random chance without a designer? And two, the historical fact of a worldwide flood. Many think it's just a myth, don't they? A children's story, a local flood. They don't take it seriously as they should. Well, this morning, I want to encourage us to trust in the Word of God. Amen? Folks, from the very first verse in the Bible, and by the way, without any compromise whatsoever. So why did God send the flood? Well, remember in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible tells us we're created special in the image of God. Who believes that today? And by the way, in the beginning, everything was very good. The Bible doesn't say just good. It said it was very, very good, folks. It was a perfect, wonderful paradise. And by the way, in the beginning, there was no death, sickness or violence. All the animals ate fruit, nuts and veggies. It was an absolute, wonderful paradise. So what happened? Of course, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, didn't they? Because of their sin and rebellion, God cursed the world. Folks, that's where death came into the world for the first time. Thorns, thistles, disease, all came through the sin of Adam. Later on, of course, Cain killed Abel, then Lemek killed a young man. 1,500 years later, we come to the days of Noah, when Noah was 500 years old, but just middle-aged. Who'd like to be 500 and middle-aged? But by the way, not a worn-out old man. I mean, fitter than a 35-year-old today. 
I do school sometimes, got little kids up the front. I say, who's got a grandpa 500 years old? Boy, you should see the hands go up, I tell you. But you know, when God created Adam, he's created live forever. Is that true? See, eventually he died at 930 because of sin. Anyway, Noah was now the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This particular time was a tremendous increase in population, but sadly, a great increase in wickedness. Remember how good it was in the beginning? Listen to what it says now, folks, in Genesis 6, 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination, do you know every thought of the heart was evil continually? Who believes we need to be very careful when we watch TV or on the computer or even in magazines? But it tells us, doesn't it, in Philippians 4, verse 8, to set your mind on things that are good, things that are true, things that are honest, and things that are pure. And I tell you what, Psalm 101 verse 3 is a scripture for these days with the media that we have today. Listen to this. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. We should be very careful, just like Noah was, shouldn't we? Anyway, God confided in Noah, told him because of all the violence and the evil going on, he's going to bring this great flood to cover the whole world. And so he gave Noah detailed instructions on building the ark. Because a lot of people would say, how could ancient people build such a massive structure? Well, the problem is they never read the Bible, did they? Who thinks there's good answers in the Bible? Anybody heard of Tubal Cain? Folks, 1,000 years before Noah built the ark, Tubal Cain was an expert in making tools out of iron and bronze. Also, 1,000 years before Noah built the ark, Jubal was an expert in making musical instruments. Do you know ancient people were incredibly intelligent? Just look at these great buildings in Rome and Greece, still standing there today. Nancy and I, we went to the Colosseum two years ago, took these pictures. What an amazing building built 2,000 years ago. Well, you know, we drive all over Australia. Some of the outback towns are a bit shabby. Have a look at this great example of Australian workmanship. What do you think about that? <laughs> Who's just given up the idea of going to Australia as a migrant? We call that a Queenslander, air-conditioned. But seriously, folks, the ancient Mayans were brilliant in mathematics. Do you know they had a calendar accurate to point zero 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 two from perfect? But should we be surprised? Not at all. You go back to Adam, you find God created Adam perfect, brilliant, in the image of God. Is that true? And by the way, there are no mistakes in Adam. During the human race today, there are thousands of mutations, all mistakes in the DNA. If anybody here believes in evolution, I'm sorry, it's going the wrong way. We're devolving rapidly. For example, if you had a mutation for a hole in the heart, are you evolving better? No, you need an operation to fix you up. Folks, 1,000 are deadly. 6,000 cause horrible diseases. We now know that every generation is passing on 100 mutations or mistakes to the next generation. Doesn't the Bible say the whole creation is breaking down? The DNA is breaking down too. See, what people don't realize is this. We're just riding on the back of four and a half thousand years of accumulated knowledge and inventions that's gone before us. For example, who in this town invented computers? Electricity, motor cars, airplanes, I can go on and on and on. So you can go to university, onto the internet, into the library, and you can learn heaps of stuff. But we're just riding on the back of all this accumulated knowledge and inventions that have gone before us. I want to give you an idea what I'm getting at. Anybody like spiders? Not many. I don't think you've got any bad spiders here, have you? In Australia, you've got to be very careful with the spiders, I tell you. But, you know, spider silk's incredible stuff. It's super thin but super strong. 
It's actually 100 times stronger than steel. Did you know that? And if you wound spider silk around only as thin as my finger, you can suspend two fully loaded Boeing 737s. Well, how did little old spider learn how to do that? He didn't learn anything, did he? God created the spider to do exactly what the spider does. And right from the very beginning when God created Adam, he's created a perfect, brilliant in the image of God. And programmed, by the way, with perfect language, perfect grammar from the very first day. Anyway, one day God said to Adam, he said, Adam, I want you to name all those animals. Tell me, did Adam have any trouble? I don't know about you guys, but I get to number 10. I've forgotten the first one. I'm praying for the memory of Adam. Who'd like to have a memory like that, amen? Anyway, uh, Noah would certainly have had all the tools, wouldn't he? The skill, the technology to build the ark. Now, God told him to build this ark out of gopher wood. Well, there are lots of interpretations of gopher wood. Some say it's this tree, that tree, another tree. But one of them is actually a process, laminated wood. Can you imagine really thick beams, about half a metre thick, very thick planks, but multi-layers of them, and all fitted together with mortise and tenon joints? Folks, the side of Noah's Ark was probably a metre thick like solid plywood. And by the way, this process is provable back to 2000 BC and was used right up to the Roman times. Amazing strength, wouldn't it? Anyway, Noah, there's a lot of animals going on board Noah's Ark. Is that true? So Noah was told by God to build lots of pens and rooms. Well, you would have had little pens for little animals, big ones for big ones and so forth. Here's just a few of them on what they may have looked like. Now, this ark had to be 300 cubits long. A cubit is from your elbow to the outstretched middle finger. Half a metre on an average sized person, 300 cubits, 150 metres. Folks, that's three Olympic swimming pools connected end to end. That's about 500 feet long in your feet. Who thinks that was pretty big? Now, Nancy and I, we both come out from England as migrants to Australia, by the way. And uh, we, were, we uh, went on. Have a look at this ship. This is a ship that we went on. And it was a converted World War II aircraft carrier, but it was the same length as Noah's Ark. So even by the day standard, Noah's Ark was quite big, wasn't it? Anyway, it's 50 cubits or, tw- uh, uh, or uh, <coughs> sorry, 50 cubits or 25 meters wide. That's about 80 foot wide, and it was 30 cubits or 15 meters in height. That's the height of a four to five story building. So who thinks it was a bit pretty big boat? Amen. And uh, anyway. Uh, had a cubit window for light and ventilation. Who thinks they need a good ventilation? Folks, there's a big shaft going through the center, and you had a cubit window across right along the top. The cold air dropping in, it had been proven by smoke tests, the heat from the animals rising just changed the air all the time. It's actually a perfect ventilation system. Who's glad about that? You would have been if you were on board, wouldn't you? Amen? And, and it was a one-door, but we'll talk about that later. Anyway, uh, Noah's Ark had three levels, but as you can see from this other model I've made, each level was very high, so there were no problem with tall animals going on board of Noah's Ark. Anybody notice there's no propeller on Noah's Ark? There's no sail, no rudder. Why is that? Folks, it wasn't going anywhere, was it? See, in the past, ships have been built streamlined. Is that true? That's for speed and manoeuvrability, say, to go to London, New York, and so forth. But Noah's Ark was only built for two reasons, huge capacity and amazing stability. Now, if Noah was just a little guy like me, cubit only that big, could actually hold 522 double-decker rail cars, 240 sheep per car. Folks, that's one 
125,000 sheep. Who'd like to shear all those? But that's not even packed in tight. You know how they pack things in tight, like sardines in a can? Folks, you can fit 350,000 of these models inside of Noah's Ark. Now, the stability of Noah's Ark was absolutely incredible. Korean and American naval architects have done extensive tests, and what they found was this, that Noah's Ark was stable in up to 250-mile-an-hour winds. Who thinks that it was pretty windy? Folks, 100-foot waves were no problem for Noah's Ark. It was proven to be 13 times more stable than the minimum requirements of American shipping. I'll tell you something really interesting. The new super tankers they make in Korea today, they're now made flat bottom. Do you know that? And they're made virtually in the same shape as Noah's Ark. What I mean by that is the same length to width to height ratio of Noah's Ark. So, folks, after 200 years of naval architects, 20 years of supercomputers, guess what they come up with? But should we be surprised? Folks, who designed Noah's Ark? It wasn't Noah. God gave him the instructions, amen? Amazing when you think about that, isn't it? Anyway, God told Noah that two of every unclean animal, bird and creeping thing were going on board the ark. But folks, does anybody here know that the clean ones went in by seven? See, in the Old Testament, there's sacrifice, bulls and sheep and goats and doves, pointing to the final sacrifice, amen, of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. It wasn't that many, but they went in by seven. Now, I get a lot of skeptics coming up to me all the time. And you know what they say? How could all the hundreds of thousands of breed of animal, how would they ever fit on Noah's Ark? Folks, the problem is they never read the Bible. The Bible is very clear. They went in according to kind, not breed. Let's consider the dog kind. Folks, there's hundreds of breed of dog in the world. Is that true? Well, every now and again, there's a new breed of dog. Where does that come from? It's pretty obvious. Too old breed of dog. Folks, let's go back 100 years ago. Noah knew the number of breed. Let's go right back to Noah. How many dogs did you need? Two original wolf-type dogs, two horses, two kangaroos, and, of course, the clean animals, like the sheep, went in by seven. You see, God, with his great creative ability, he purposed a tremendous variety to adapt to niche conditions around the world. For example, the wolves have adapted, haven't they, to the snow and the ice conditions of Canada and Alaska. Tell me, what would happen if your short-haired dog got left up there in the autumn? Well, you'd freeze to death. You'd be meat for the wolves, I tell you. You'd be better off like the dingo, adapting to the hot and warm conditions of Australia, wouldn't you? I know many people like Charles Darwin misinterpret this as evolution. Folks, it's not evolution, I tell you. It's simply diversity within God's created kind. And as with the dog kind, all the new breeds are due to a thinning out or loss of genetic information. Do you know they've never found any increase in genetic information? It's always downhill. And it's like this. If you're typing a letter and you make a mistake, do you improve your spelling? Because one letter out of place in the DNA, it's problems. It doesn't improve things. Is that true? Anyway, uh, uh, John Woodmerap, he's an amazing man. This guy did a seven-year intensive study. Who'd like to study Noah, just Noah's Ark for seven years? But he did an incredible job, I tell you. But he worked out that only 16,000 animals, medium-sized, that big, folks, went on board Noah's Ark. That's the medium size. Only, only 11% of all the animals are larger than a sheep. And you know, the great majority are very tiny. 
Well, let's assume the large animals went in as babies or juveniles. That makes sense to anybody here? Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? If that's the case, they never had to clean up. Who thinks that's a good idea? You know, in parts of Europe, like Sweden, right at the top, they have freezing cold winters. Do you know the animals are under the house for up to seven months? Did you know that? And they use a method called deep litter, wood shaving, peat moss, straw, deep enough will last all through that long winter, and it's been proven to last over two years. There's no cleaning up required on board of Noah's Ark. Anyway, Noah was now 600 years old when the flood came. Now, the Bible tells us Noah built the ark, but God did two miracles, didn't he? You see, it was God who brought the animals and God who shut the door. Then, folks, a tremendous cataclysm happened. On the 17th day of the second month of the 600 year of Noah's life, folks, the fountains of the great deep burst open all over the world. Can you imagine that? Folks, it was now raining like a tropical storm, 40 days and 40 nights. Earthquakes, volcanoes, all happening simultaneously. The dense ocean floor was now subducting into the mantle. The single pre-flood landmass, folks, was being ripped and torn apart. Not slow and gradual as evolution teaches. Rapid, catastrophic plate tectonics were happening here. Not only were the cities, the people, the animals destroyed, the whole landscape was ripped up. Fast-moving waters laying down sediments, as you can see here. Do you know what the average depth of water-laid sediments is worldwide? One mile deep, layer upon layer upon layer. Well, how did that get here without a worldwide flood? Folks, look at this, the Grand Canyon, what a monument to the flood. Nancy and I have been over there, we've checked it out. And by the way, see these layers at the Grand Canyon? Just imagine 12 colored pancakes, one on top of the other. And this, these layers run for hundreds of kilometres. And it's about over three quarters of a mile thick, I tell you. There's a lot of sediment there, isn't there? Now, these, like I said, these layers run dead straight for hundreds of kilometres, except to the Kaibab upwalk. God's lifted up the whole plateau. And see those layers? They fold over each other like soft plasticine. There's not a crack in it. Do you know Why? because it was all lifted up still soft and still wet. You go home and try and bend your four-inch concrete path, see what happens. Folks, how could you bend three-quarters of a mile thick of, unless it's soft? Amen? Anyway, when you look at these layers, look what you find, a knife-edge difference between two layers. This is no problem for a creationist. But if anybody here believes in millions of years, I've got a big question for you. Because the people who believe in millions of years tell us the bottom layer is 10 million years old in the top layer. Now my question is, how come there was no erosion between those layers for 10 million years? Is that a good question? Anybody ever been to the 12 Apostles in Victoria, Australia? Anybody? We've had a few people who haven't been. Hands up if you haven't been. Well, you better... Book your tickets and hurry up. But there's only seven left because of erosion in my lifetime. I was watching this documentary. The guy was pointing off the east coast of England. And he said, three miles out there used to be a village. Anybody heard about that? Folks, in another place, there was a church built 500 years ago. And it was three miles from the coast. It's less than half a mile from the coast now. Your island is disappearing fast, I tell you. Amen? Anyway, Nancy and I, we've, we've investigated the erosion. Look at this. 
You've got roads leading to nowhere out there. But then you've got World War II bunkers up to 200 metres out to sea. Folks, in 1945, these bunkers were well inland. Amazing erosion. Anyway, anybody heard of the White Cliffs? These are really spectacular, aren't they? Over 300 feet high in some places. But look at this. See that cliff in 1997? It was 100 feet further out to sea. Now, this is a bed and breakfast lighthouse. The people who, who own that are very smart people, I tell you. In 1998, they found themselves just 10 feet from the edge of the cliff. And uh, they're a bit worried. They spent 240,000 pounds. They had engineers put the whole building on rollers and they rolled it a long way back. But guess what? It's ready to be moved again. Folks, you go over these hills to Berlin Gap, a few kilometres away. See, in 1930, see the uh, houses up there? There's a row of houses going down to the water, but they're still a long way from the edge of the cliff, weren't they? The last time we went there, folks, the last house was one metre from the edge of the cliff. Amazing, isn't it? Do you know the average rate of erosion, according to the authorities? One metre per year of these white cliffs. Well, England, by the way, is supposed to be, according to evolution theory, hundreds of millions of years old. I want to take a fraction of 1% of that, 1 million years. And I'm going to multiply 1 million years by 1 metre of erosion, folks. That's about a yard, a bit more than a yard. You know what it comes to? 1 million years by 1 metre? 1,000 kilometres of erosion, folks. That's about 650 miles of erosion. Who thinks England could be hundreds of millions of years old? It makes no sense whatsoever, does it? And I'll tell you what, getting back to my example, how come there's no erosion between these layers for 10 million years? That makes less sense, doesn't it? But you know what makes good sense? Rapid deposition, that every layer was laid down rapidly, one on top of the other, but any erosion could take place. And by the way, do you know what they find between layers? Raindrop impressions. Any, anybody know what that is? Imagine I've got some soft mud down there. A big raindrop hits it. It makes a beautiful little circle. Folks, in minutes or hours sometimes, they disappear by the wind and the sun. Yet between layers, you find perfectly preserved raindrop impressions. Can you tell me how long it was for the next layer to come over the top? No time at all, was it? Interesting when you think about that, isn't it? Anyway, as the floodwaters recede, there's also evidence of huge lakes that form, like these big ones in North, uh, North America. But you know, the breach of these lakes and the receding floodwaters are now believed by many scientists to have carved out features like the Grand Canyon rapidly rather than slowly. Has anybody here heard of David Attenborough? Well, David Attenborough said the Grand Canyon took 40 million years to carve out. Folks, I want to give you some evidence that today it takes nowhere near that time. And Mount St. Helens in the 1980s, an incredible volcanic activity happening here. In fact, look at this, in just a few hours one day, eight metres of strata, hundreds of layers were laid down in just a few hours. But altogether, folks, 200 metres high, at six, over 600 feet high. Folks, that's at least 40, 50 times as high as this ceiling was laid down in no time at all. And then what happened was a lot of water filled up at the top of this volcano, 
One day, this incredible mudslide broke open. The mudslide ripped down the mountain. Look what it did. It carved out a 140-scale Grand Canyon. Now, of course, on David Attenborough's time frame, that's going to take possibly up to a million years. But how long did it really take? Well, folks, one day it wasn't there. The next day it was. Can you tell me why you need 40 million for the real one? No, you just need a lot more water, amen? And did you, did you have a lot more water in a worldwide flood? Folks, today uh, not many people can get their head around, I tell you, the incredible devastation that was unfolding in the worldwide flood. And, of course, 2 Peter tells us, sadly, most people will be willingly ignorant. They don't want to know about it, do they? Now, we need to keep that in mind, don't we? Anyway, all the mountains were covered, all mankind died, every land dwelling, everything, animal, bird, creeping thing, folks, every living thing on the face of the land was wiped off. But who's glad Noah's alive, amen? Well, if he wasn't, you wouldn't be here, I tell you, folks. And, uh, and the ark floated for an incredible 150 days before coming to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Now, many months later, Noah sent out the dove, didn't he? And, of course, it, the second time, come back with the olive leaf. Because everything had to dry out, all the vegetation regrow. And eventually, after 371 days, God told Noah to leave the ark. But of course, like I said, I always get skeptics coming up to me. You know what they say? Rod, where did the water go? Can you folks see any water up there? Just a little. Folks, the world is 72% in area water, only 28% land. And by the way, if we flatten down all the land all over the world and we're now going to uplift those really deep oceans, folks, there's enough water to cover the whole world by nearly two miles deep. And by the way, most of England's less than 300 feet deep. You know that? High, I should say. We've been right to inland Australia, one place we went to, 50 metres above sea level. Folks, the water's still here. God just rearranged things. Psalm 104, 5 to 9 tells us God pushed up the mountains. He pulled down the valleys in the oceans, didn't he? And, of course, uh, anybody heard of the Himalayan mountains? Folks, they weren't there before the flood. The flood didn't have to cover them. You see, pancake layers of strata were crunched up from underneath by incredible tectonic activity. And layers that were like that are now like that because they're all lifted up by incredible tectonic activity. And you know, the Himalayan mountains are covered in seashell fossils to the very top of the mountain. Nancy and I went over the biggest, some of the biggest mountains in Victoria one time, and the guy who lived at the top, he told us, he said, he, he remembers when they cut the road through the top of that mountain, they found fish fossils that big at the top of the mountain, folks, because it was underwater at the time of the flood. Anyway, uh, God now told them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the world with people. How long would it take to fill the world with people? Tell me, how many people live in the world today? Who knows? Did I hear seven? Uh, 7.6 billion people live in the world today. But folks, listen to this. 7.6 billion today, just before I was born, 2 billion. Well, let's go back 350 years ago, half a billion. Because if you're a mathematician and you do graphs, it's absolutely impossible on the population graph to go back beyond the time of Noah. Do you know that? Of course, people tell you, watch these documentaries on evolution, they say, oh, man's been roaming around for a million years. 
Is there any evidence for that? Zero. Anybody ever watched a Shrek movie with a kid? Storytelling. Because when you look at historical science, it's not really science. It's perhaps this, maybe that. And when you examine it, it's just storytelling. See, the real evidence agrees with the Bible, doesn't it? Doesn't the Bible tell us every person in the whole world is descended from Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their wife? Noah's the great-grandfather, every one of the seven billion in the world today. Of course, skeptics always come up to me and say, yeah, but Rod, what about the African people? What about the Aborigines? What about the Asian people? Folks, there's only one race in the world. Is that true? It's called the human race, amen? And by the way, we've all got the same colouring in our skin. Did you know that? It's called melanin. It all depends on how little you've got for how light you are, how much you've got for how dark you are, everything in between. And by the way, people of mid-brown have the genes to go darker or lighter in one generation. Have a look at this. This couple had twins. Tell me, what do you think about that? I was at Kalgoorlie last year and this lady uh, came up to me and she was one of about 16 children in an Aboriginal family, but she was blue-eyed and lighter skin. All her brothers and sisters were dark. She's just in the mix of genes. And it's easy to see how all these people groups could happen. Is that true? See, at the Tower of Babel, God got angry with them. He split them up in, into little groups. Of course, uh, that's where all the languages started. And not only that, the genetic makeup to develop people groups that live around the world today. And by the way, folks, some people are best fitted to some place than other place. You know that? So I was born in England, but I'm fair-skinned, right? Just playing cricket on a Saturday, I've had two skin cancers cut out of me. I'm not suited to this harsh, the harsh son of Australia. And vice versa, Nancy's folks came from New Zealand and her grandmother and mother had rickets because they're married descent before you could get vitamin D tablets. And you see what I'm getting at? Interesting, isn't it? Anyway, uh, <laughs> what's the evidence for a worldwide flood? Folks, billions of fossils showing clear evidence of rapid burial on a massive worldwide scale. Do you know some of the fossil records are so delicate, like insect wings and jellyfish, that they disappear in hours in the tropics. What do you find? Jellyfish, beautifully preserved with all the tentacles. You know what Charles Darwin said in his writings? You never find one of them. Folks, billions of fish with a fin sticking up rigid, buried alive, by the billion. Here's a fish just enjoying its breakfast. Folks, how, does that look like slow accumulation over millions of years? Folks, that's just a microsecond. Here's another example, an extinct ichthyosaur just given birth to its young. Well, another great evidence of rapid burial are tree fossils and coal seams. And by the way, some of these tree fossils go 25 meters up through layers of strata. Folks, this is no problem for a creationist, but if anybody here believes in millions of years, I've got a big question for you. The difference in time from the bottom to the top of a 25-metre tree on the evolution time frame is mega time. Who believes a tree stump could stand up for a million years and not rot away? I don't think so. Folks, they do rot away. Insects destroy them. Fires, they're all gone in just a few decades, aren't they? But getting back to my example... Some of these tree logs are upside down. They cut through coal seams, supposedly millions of years apart. Who thinks they've got the wrong theory for coal? Because how long does it take to make coal? 
Well, we can turn good wood into coal in four weeks. It's super simple. It doesn't take that long at all. In fact, everything that people says takes millions of years can happen very, very fast. For example, in Australia, we have opals. Any of the ladies here like opals? They're nice, nice opals, aren't they? But uh, they tell her, all, all the ladies that they're millions of years old. But she's a man at Lightning Ridge. This guy's learned the mix. He mixes up a bit of slurry in his Vegemite jars. He plunks them on the shelf in his tin shed. In 12 weeks, he's got a beautiful opal. Scientists cannot tell the difference. Who's ever been in the caves and seen the stalactites? Well, once again, they're telling all the people who go in, millions of years old. But she was a mine that was only shut for 55 years. See the miners down the bottom? Now look at the size of those stalactites in just 50 years. Now back Queensland, they've actually found petrified fence posts. Anybody ever been in a museum, checked out the petrified wood? It's always got a tag on millions of years old, hasn't it? Folks, how can fence posts in Australia be millions of years old? Captain Cook didn't get there till 1770, uh, did he? In Western Australia, a wooden water wheel now turned to solid stone. In Tasmania, this guy left this beautiful soft felt hat down in the mine. Well, guess what? It's now a hard hat. You think you need millions of years for these things, folks? You don't need any time at all. You just need the right condition to turn anything to a fossil. Amazing, isn't it? Anyway, dinosaurs went on board Noah's Ark. But tell me, would you take a big one or would you take a little one? Hands up if you would take a really big dinosaur on board the ark. You're all pretty sensible, aren't you? <laughs> See, dinosaurs actually come uh, from eggs like crocodiles. Do you know the biggest dinosaur that ever lived came from an egg only that big? Noah could have taken it on board like a little puppy dog, couldn't he? But anyway, crocodiles are like dinosaurs. They come from an egg. Here's a baby crocodile. Who thinks that could go on board? What about grumpy grandma? Would you take her on board? Folks, that's nothing. Look at grumpy grandpa. See that crocodile, folks? That could have swallowed any person here in one gulp, I tell you. The Aboriginal pastor who told me about this crocodile and... He said, there's a bigger one in the river. I never turn my back on that river, I tell you. And by the way, the jaws on that crocodile are bigger than any T-Rex jaws that have ever been found in the fossil record. Isn't that interesting? And that crocodile is bigger than 60% of the dinosaurs that ever lived. See, a lot of dinosaurs were only as big as a chicken or a sheep or a horse. They weren't all monsters, were they? Interesting, isn't it? In the book of... Uh, Anybody ever read the book of Job? Well, it describes this animal called Behemoth. And Behemoth had a tail like a cedar tree. Here's my wife, Nancy. There's two cedar trees. Tell me, if you had a tail like a cedar tree, would you have a big tail or a little tail? I think you'd have a pretty big tail. I was reading a Bible commentary one day. You know what they said? It was a hippopotamus. Has anybody here ever seen a hippopotamus with a tail like a cedar tree? In another Bible commentary, it said it was an elephant. Well, who's ever seen an elephant with a tail like a cedar tree? Well, let's have a look at this animal described by Job. What's it actually look like, folks? Isn't it pretty obvious? Do you know the dinosaur? Is that true? Folks, when we go back into written history, you find hundreds of written accounts, people killing, being killed, describing these monsters. Anybody heard of the Welsh Chronicles? 
Most of the oldest written history in Britain, it describes this brave king. One day the king went out to, to defend the city, but he went on to say the monster ate him up like a little fish. He wasn't very successful, was he? What about St. George, though? Was he more successful? Was St. George actually killing folks? Dinosaurs just a new name for dragon? Bishop Bell was only buried in your country 500 years ago, Carlisle Cathedral. He had two long-necked dinosaurs fighting. But look at the one on the left, got spikes on the tail. Oh, here's the real ones. How could they do that without seeing the real ones? Nancy and I went through Europe. We took lots of pictures of dragons. Have a look at this one. And here you see the tail curled up underneath on a building hundreds of years old. But see the scales on that dragon, folks? They're exactly the same as dinosaur scales that have been found in the fossil record. Makes sense, doesn't it? You know, in Asia, there was a Buddhist temple built eight or 900 years ago. Well, look what you find, a stegosaurus. How do they do that without seeing them? There's just a few of them. In Montana and Alaska, they've actually found dinosaur bones that are still soft. They even found the soft, smelly tissue. They've even found the red blood cells, folks. Now, evolution teaches dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago, and they also believe in multiple ice ages. Is that true? So the earth went from hot to cold, hot to cold. Who thinks that stuff could last for 65 million years of hot and cold? When I was a little boy, folks, my mum said to me, she said, Rod, what you're going to need in this life is a good dose of common sense. Does anybody here believe common sense is missing in society today? Folks, common sense clearly tells us that stuff couldn't last for 65 million years of hot and cold. Is that true? Anyway, who believes in Jesus Christ today? Does he tell the truth? There's only a few of you put a hand up. What's, what's going on? Folks, you know, do you believe everything he says, by the way? I find some people don't. Jesus Christ, when he's talking about marriage, you know what he said? He said Adam was right at the very beginning of all creation. You know how some people try and mix evolution theory with the Bible history? So what they do is they, you know, like the gap theory, theistic evolution, progressive creation, etc., day-age theory. Well, let's try it with this scripture. Let's take 6,000 years of Bible history onto the end of four and a half billion years of evolution theory and read that scripture again. It now becomes absolute, total nonsense. I don't know about you guys, but I'd rather believe Jesus Christ, folks. He made everything, knows everything. Amen? Then the fallible teachings of men. What do we know compared to God? Interesting, isn't it? Anyway, uh, why isn't the word dinosaur in the Bible, do you think? It's a new name, just like computer. You won't find it in the Bible. But, you know, you, 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 uh, <coughs> the, the word dinosaur was actually only invented 170 years ago. King James Bible was translated 400 years ago, so you won't find the word dinosaur in the Bible. But you find behemoth, leviathan, dragon, just different names for the same animal. Makes sense, doesn't it? Why aren't they around today? Well, folks, straight after the flood, you had the one and only ice age. You had a dramatic change in the climate, I tell you. It was really bad. And not only that, we hunted and we killed them. For example, if you went to Tasmania, you wouldn't see a Tasmanian tiger because we hunted them to extinction. Good job we only killed 99% of the whales, isn't it? See, that 1% is growing up in number again, but they were nearly all gone. 
Anybody heard of Marco Polo? You know, Marco Polo, when he went through Asia, you know what he said? He said, tigers were an absolute pest. If you went trekking through there today, would you be worried about tigers? Folks, there hardly any left. I went to Australia Zoo only five years ago. They told me in 10 years' time, if something drastic doesn't happen, you'll not find one tiger still left in the wild. They're nearly all gone. In New Zealand, the Maori people love Kentucky Fried Moabird. Folks, they had too many tribal feasts, but they wiped them all out. These birds, by the way, grew 14 foot high. Wiped them all out about 600 years ago. What's the difference between these being wiped out and dinosaurs? Anyway, the Bible says we are creating the image of God. Who believes that today? Fearfully and wonderfully made, I tell you. But uh, if you went to university and you did a biology course, would your professor tell you something a little bit different? It's a lot different, isn't it? Let's examine a couple. Okay. Nebraska man discovered by Harold Cook in the Pliocene deposits of Nebraska. Tremendous amount of literature was built on this supposed missing link that allegedly roamed the plains of Nebraska one million years ago. Tell me, what did they find? What was the scientific proof they found? One tooth. Folks, if they found your tooth in the car park and drew that picture, would you be happy? I come across this lady in the Mallee. It's a part of Victoria, okay? And she told, told me that um, one day she was in school and she went home very sad because her teacher told her that she couldn't believe in Adam and Eve. That was just a story. She had to believe in Nebraska man. Well, this little girl was very cut, by the way, but many years later she's very happy. Do you know why? Well, they found the whole skeleton. Guess what it was? A pig. But, you know, this was taught in schools and universities, folks, worldwide for many, many years. But listen to this one, Piltdown Man, discovered by Charles Dawson in a gravel pit in Sussex, England. But I want you to listen to the New York Times headlines, isn't it? Darwin's theory proven to be true, they said. English scientists say that the skull found in Sussex, Piltdown Man, now establishes human descent from apes. Folks, this was taught as a fact for 44 years. Don't believe in Adam and Eve. After 44 years, they had a new method to date the bones. This is what they found. They found a jawbone belonged to an ape that died 50 years previously. But folks, listen to this. They also found that the teeth had been filed down on purpose. Teeth and bones had been discolored with bichromate of potash. It was a fraud. Can you tell me why it was a fraud? Very simple, folks. They're not finding the missing links. Does anybody here believe they'll ever find a missing link? Never. You know why? Because absolutely impossible. In the beginning, God created mankind, the ape kind, the dog kind, the horse kind. You'll never find a missing link unless you make it up. You know that? Impossible. And by the way, um, next time you hear of a new missing link, don't forget that Piltdown Man fooled hundreds and hundreds of scientific experts for 44 years. Isn't that incredible when you think about that? But um, by the way, folks, the fossil record screams no missing links, stasis. Look at this. A fish is still a fish. Is that true? You can go 50 million years back on the evolution time frame. I don't believe those dates, by the way. And you'll find a bat, but it's exactly like a bat today. Nothing's changed. You can go 420 million years back 
and you'll find a horseshoe crab, but it's exactly like a horseshoe crab today. And do you know why you won't find these missing links? I'll tell you why, folks, because all of this stuff was laid down four and a half thousand years ago by the great flood of Noah. And all those millions of years are fictitious. If you want to talk about dating methods later or lots of it, we could talk for ages, but come up and see me and I'll give you some information you've probably never heard before. So I just encourage you to believe the Bible. Amen? Well, what can we learn from the account of Noah? Tell me, was Noah safe in the ark? What about the people outside? Why did they perish, folks? Because God judged the world. Is that true? God judged each one of them, didn't he? The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that we've all, hands up here, anybody who's never committed a sin in your life. We've all sinned, haven't we? The Bible tells us. Do you know what the reward of your sin is? Separation from God forever. Unless you believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? See, Jesus Christ is our ark for today, folks. Each one of us here today, if you haven't already done so, you need to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because, you see, the one who hung on that cross wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a prophet. He was the king of kings and lord of lords. He was the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He was the creator of the whole universe, folks, and he hung on that cross for the forgiveness of your sin. Is that great love? It really is, isn't it? God loves us so much. So I encourage you to really believe in Jesus. And by the way, there was only one door into the ark. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> well, Jesus said this. He said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Anybody looking forward to heaven? Hands up. Only a few of you. Folks, heaven is the place where all true believers will finish. And then those who don't believe won't get there. It's so sad, isn't it? So I encourage you, if you're not believing today, make sure you trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? Really, because God loves you so much that he died on that cross. Let's just bow our head in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for each one of us here today. I pray that through the work of your Holy Spirit, you would guide and lead each one of us into a deeper living relationship with you. And Father God, that we could reach out, Father, with the good news, the gospel, to all those who are still living in darkness. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 